Happy New Year to every single brother and sister out there. Thank you for joining us one more time. We have the honor again to start this year with Pastor J.C. Mitchell. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for who you are, Father. Father, I thank you for another year, Lord God. And I pray, Father God, that as we enter this year, Lord God, that you will give us wisdom. Give us revelation knowledge of your holy word, Lord God. I pray, Father God, that every single one of us under the sound of Pastor Mitchell's um, words, Lord God, I pray, Father God, that we will seek you with our whole heart, Father God. I pray that nothing will be more important than spending time with you, Lord. And Father, I thank you for Pastor JC. I thank you for using him, Lord God, to bring thousands of people to you, Lord. And today I pray for him, Lord God, that you will continue to use him, Father God. Continue to pour your anointing upon him, strengthen him. And Father, use him as he opens his mouth. You feel it, Lord God. Speak into our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor J.C. The long long struggle between Pharaoh and Moses is one of the most dramatic passages in the Bible. It all began when Jehovah selected Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt into a land of their own. Jehovah God instructed Moses to go to Pharaoh and demand that he liberate the Hebrew people. Moses made excuses, as we all do. He protested that he could not speak, that he wasn't equipped for such a task. But God met all of Moses' excuses, and finally, Moses accepted his commission, and accompanied by Aaron, sought an interview with Pharaoh. At the appointed hour, Moses entered the great stone palace. After walking down a long corridor, he entered through massive doors into the court. At the other end was a great carved throne. Giant slaves stood back of it waving palm branches to move the human air, which was heavy with exotic fragrances. Moses walked forward over the tile floor, aware of its inscriptions and mosaics, all boasting of Egypt and its conquest. On the shattered throne sat Pharaoh, with a thinly wicked sneer on his face. His smooth chin cupped in one hand and watching through half-shut eyes. As he moved forward, Moses felt the threat of the great draperies. They were dark red, as dark as Egyptian blood drying on the sand. Moses was impressed with the magnificent of the palace court and Pharaoh's pomp and power. He was frightened for a moment, but then he remembered that he had just come from an audience 
with a greater king whose power was beyond that of Pharaoh. He grew bold again and found new courage as he thought of his commission. He stopped and looked at Pharaoh straight in the eye. Without hesitation, he said, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go. Thus the long struggle told in 11 chapters of Exodus is begun. It took many harassing plagues to break Pharaoh's will and get his consent to release the children of Israel. Rivers, streams, and ponds in Egypt were turned into blood. A plague of frogs almost drove them crazy. Swarms of flies made life miserable and almost drove them crazy. Their animals died with disease. The people were afflicted with boils. Hell destroyed their livestock and crops. And then came the locust to claim what the hell had not already destroyed. There were three days in Egypt when the death angel came and took the firstborn in every family. Well, as we read that story, we're inclined to overlook some of the more subtle drama that went along with the plagues. Pharaoh made a desperate effort to escape the ravages of the plagues and still hold on to the slaves that were so important to his economy. Four times he proposed compromises. Each time Moses rejected them. Whenever God attempts to lead people from the bondage of sin into his family and way of life, our spiritual Pharaoh, Satan, suggests some very subtle compromises. If the devil cannot keep you from being a Christian, he will attempt to keep you from being a good Christian. I want you to think with me today about these compromises, which the devil still uses to keep you from being your best for our master, Jesus Christ. The first compromise is that Moses demanded that they be set free to go in the wilderness to serve and worship God. Pharaoh softened by these plagues suggested, go sacrifice to your God in the land. That is, he was saying, worship your God, but do it right here in Egypt. Many today have agreed to that compromise. They have rationalized about their busy life and schedule and have concluded, you don't have time to go to church to worship and serve God. You can do it at home or out in nature 
or on the golf course or fishing on the lake or in the woods. But the trouble is that those who agree to Pharaoh's compromise and stay in Egypt don't really get close to God. And even if occasionally they do, they're not serving him. What is the crowd in Egypt doing this morning to win our lost world of Christ? The most serious tragedy is that they miss the strength and resources of the Christian life. The second compromise in language of the world is don't be a religious fanatic. Pharaoh suggested, I will let you go to sacrifice to the Lord, but only do it in Egypt. Don't go very far. Yes, he was suggesting that God's people keep in touch with Egypt. Don't cut yourself off from all of Egypt and what it has to offer. It's all right to be a Christian and church member, but don't take it too seriously. Don't go very far in the Christian life. Keep in touch with Egypt. There are many who are desperately trying to do this today. They leave their worldly interest and in everyday affairs once a week and commute to church for an hour or two. Anxiously, they keep their eye on the clock. How much longer will this last? My, it's dull and long. When it's over, they breathe a sigh of relief and return to Egypt's bright lights, laughter, music, its business, pleasures, interests. They make a little excursion in worship and service but it's not even a baby step in spiritual things. Christ is kept separate from everyday life and interest. The Lord or his church just must not be interfered with. Religion is only for Sunday morning. Go if you want to, but when it's over, return to Egypt for the rest of the day and the rest of the week as you like. Friend, have you agreed to this compromise? How many of you have been delivered from your sin, and yet you have not gone very far in consecration to the Lord Jesus? The only way to know the joy, thrill, and dynamic of Christ is to leave Egypt, leave Egypt's interest and crowd and go all the way with Jesus Christ. For so many, their religion is like a headache. They can't do without it, yet it, hurt, it hurts them to keep it. The third compromise proposed by Pharaoh 
was that the adults could go, but that their children should remain in Egypt. This was the most subtle and potentially the most damaging of all the compromises that Pharaoh suggested. One of the greatest problems facing the church today is that so many children and young people are still in Egypt and with the approval and consent of their parents. Parents are active and serve, but their children aren't with them. There are three primary factors responsible for this compromise. Parents want their children to be accepted, to find success and approval with other young people. And so they give in to their plans, prestige, fashions, and activities of Egypt. Two, they're indifferent. It's just too much. I push all week, and I'm not going to keep after these kids on Sunday as well. Number three, there are those who say, well, let the children make up their own minds. After all, religion is a personal matter, and they must not be influenced or, pu or pushed by their parents. How ridiculous and inconsistent. At times, the normal child doesn't want to go to school, and yet does the parent say, dear me, I don't know what to do. My child doesn't want to go, and I'm afraid to make him lest he grow up hating knowledge and will not want to go to college. I'll just let him go when he feels like it. Well, friend, little boys don't like to wash behind their ears, but do you let your child go dirty because you're afraid he'll grow up to hate soap and water and never take a bath? You're saying that to learn about God is not very important. But to get a godless education is a duty that must not be neglected. Where are your children? Are they in Egypt? Are they there because you sent them there? No matter how dedicated and active you are in the church, what have you gained if your children grow up to be snobbish, worldly, and estranged from God and you? What is the value of their success in the world if they go on and become spiritually illiterate or spiritually dead? Are they saved? Are they growing in Christ and serving him in the church? More important than any job and work in the church is that you first get your own children out of Egypt. The, the Bible describes what is a true servant and head of a household, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity, 
For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? The fourth compromise is found in chapter 10, verse 24. Go ye, serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be stayed, lest your little one, let your little ones also go with you. They could go and serve and worship, but their flocks, that is their treasures, their money, their possessions should remain in Egypt. My, what a picture of many people in the church today. Although the grace in Jesus Christ have made them free and they're serving the Lord, they study the Bible and worship regularly, but their dedication is not complete. Pharaoh still holds their possessions, their money in Egypt. True dedication is inclusive. When one gives his heart to Christ, with it he should give his money as well, at least one-tenth to God. The problem is not how much income you have and how many obligations, but it's a lack of dedication and obedience. Too many are trying to serve and worship God with their possessions in Egypt. Oh, yes, many of them give a token, but some are giving the same amount they did 10 or 15 years ago when their income was considerably less. Are you just tipping God? Martin Luther once said, every man needs two conversions, the first of his heart and the second of his pocketbook. More than likely, some of you need to experience that second conversion. And so in conclusion, these four compromises suggested by Pharaoh to Moses were all rejected. It was a matter of all or nothing. You can't compromise with God and succeed. You remember that it was not until the firstborn of Egypt began to die that Pharaoh finally agreed to let God's people go. The firstborn in many American homes have died on the battlefield because God's people have lived in compromise. They've compromised their lives, their service, their giving. This world could be changed in our generation if all of us gave ourselves fully to God. Instead, many turn a deaf ear to God's message and go on living in compromise. It is going to be more costly in the end if you live in compromise. Compromise is the most expensive thing in the world. 
It will rob you of Christian joy, effective service, the respect and dedication of your children. It costs the strength of a nation that knows the favor of God. It can also cost your soul. Don't be a fool. Compromise may be expedient, but it is also expensive. Let us pray together. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, my Savior, your Son, that the spiritual ears of people will have been opened and they would have received this message and move from compromise to a full commitment of their life. Lord God, we ask that you might speak to hearts around the world and that there will be those today who will receive you as their personal Savior and Lord. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor JC. And we'll have Delisa Dean sing a beautiful song for us. God bless you. I want to see the No, okay.